Well, I should uh, say that in the mornings we are speaking about the second coming of Jesus Christ, which every Christian needs to know about. So if for some reason you couldn't get to this morning's service, we would certainly encourage you to get to the um, audio recordings uh, of these messages and so that you're able to keep up with what ha what's happening because we believe that Jesus Christ is coming back soon and there's certain things we've got to do to prepare for that. Hallelujah. And so it's all exciting stuff. So uh, we've started last Sunday in the morning and uh, followed on this Sunday and we'll probably go for another uh, Sunday uh, or two and uh, further you know, study the word on this whole aspect. And uh, uh, you know, some of us that have been born again for a number of years, we used to be into this stuff years ago and then you, know, you get busy with other things and uh, other things that you need to learn, but it's good to be current in regards to the second coming of Jesus Christ, especially as we're getting closer and closer to the time. All right, uh, just turn to the person next and say, Jesus is coming back soon. Just let him know right now. Hallelujah. All right. Uh, also, for the benefit of those of you that were not here this morning, we stopped this morning and spent just a little bit of time praying, thanking the Lord for everything that has been accomplished in terms of our refurbishment. Now, we're still not finished completely, but uh, we are a whole lot further down the track uh, this year than what we were last year at the, the start of the convention. Some of you might recall when we used to go upstairs last year, we had to sort of duck underneath a steel beam and walk through into the offices there, and, uh, and that continued on for a few months until uh, the roof was lifted, and now we've got these uh, uh, four, we've got these uh, six extra rooms that we didn't have before. And in fact, uh, just last Monday, uh, we had carpet laid in these new offices there, and, and like last month, it was almost like the time we said, wow, look at that. Now, all the hard work that we had for the last uh, 14, 16 months, uh, you know, when all the floor was ripped up and foundations were building everything to bring us this far, and now we've got the, the place ready, uh, and we can now use these offices. It's very exciting for us as a church now. Uh, some of you that have never been upstairs, you go upstairs tonight and have a look, because it really is quite, quite something, and uh, there's been a whole lot of hard work that's gone into that, and uh, people's giving, and, uh, you know, finances, uh, uh, everything that you see upstairs uh, translates into people's faithful giving so that we can pay for everything. So what we want to do right now is we want to stop and give thanks to the Lord for everything that's been accomplished this far. God gave us a word a while back, uh, and the word was this, that each time when something else is completed, we need to stop and thank the Lord for it rather than just move on and, you know, just just uh, plow on and, and, and stay busy. We will continue to be busy, but we want to now stop and thank the Lord because we really believe that uh, without God, we would not have been able to even, any, not, not even get started, let alone come this far. And, you know, there's a scripture in the Old Testament. It says, thus far the Lord has helped us. And uh, in many respects, you know, when we, when we think back from where we come from and, and where we have been as a church starting some 20 years ago and, uh, and started with just everything that we, we owned as a church, we were able to fit into the boot of our car practically, just a bit of a sound system and a couple of other bits, an overhead projector, and, uh, you know, we went to church and set up uh, the place. And uh, just in 20 years, God has just immensely blessed us where we are today with this facility and, uh, and the comfort that we have now and the abilities to do things uh, meeting-wise and, and ministry-wise that we were unable to do before. So it is very exciting. But please remember that this is only just the beginning for where God's taking us. It is a journey. We haven't arrived and we never will as far as the workings of God are concerned. We're just sort of looking beyond where we are right now in terms, in terms of 
continuing expansion and preparing more room for more people and for more ministries and to reach further than what we've reached in the past. So let's pray and thank the Lord right now. Heavenly Father, tonight we once again, Lord, we want to lift up our hands to you, Lord, and we want to, we want to just give thanks to you for everything that's been accomplished as far as our uh, facilities concerned here, as far as uh, all, all of the refurbishment that has been uh, completed. We want to stop. We want to thank you, Lord God, for your hand on our lives and, Lord, for blessing the work of our hand. We want to thank you, Father, for the provision, Lord, that's already manifested so far, all the money that has been used to pay for material materials and, and labor and, uh, and various other things that needed to be done. And Lord, we remind ourselves again tonight that uh, you, you said in your word that, uh, that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And unless the Lord watches the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And so we thank you tonight, Father. We declare that, Lord, though we have worked and given and have done stuff, we declare that this is your doing. And we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory. And we thank you, Father God, that what is ready now, Lord God, will be used, uh, Lord, in a sense, as a seed towards greater things where you're taking us as a church and as a ministry. And we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. All right, uh, just a few more sleeps now, and the convention is upon us. All right, this is very exciting, and uh, as Viv has already pointed out, uh, this coming Sunday there will be no evening service. Uh, the evening service time will be used, uh, in, in a sense, preparatory towards the convention starting a couple of days later. Of course, this coming weekend we've got... Uh, um, it's a long weekend with uh, Monday being a public holiday and there is uh, working bees happening and I'm sure you all know what's happening when, but uh, it's like the final preparation work and uh, on Monday people will be flying in and driving in from all around the country, some coming from overseas and then Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock we open the doors and the place will be spick and span, it'll all be set up and every one of us will be in our place and uh, we're all going to look sharp and we're all ready to serve. Uh, these men and women that are coming together from all around the country and from various parts of the world uh, to, to as it were, provide an environment and a place where they can be refreshed for four days, m Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. They can be rebuilt, they can be built up and, and taught and freshly inspired. You know, one of the visions or one way to explain the vision of ICFM, um, for years it's been used the three letters FIT, F-I-T, uh, F stands for fellowship, I stands, uh, st stands for inspiration, and T stands for training. That's sort of you like the outworking of the vision of ICFM that ministers in particular uh, and leaders can come uh, to, to, for fellowship, uh, for inspiration, and for training, and for rebuilding. Um, uh, a lot of these guys are out there, they're uh, sort of... Uh, uh, you know, just working and laboring and, and, and believing God for a breakthrough, and then it's good to get a week of respite to come, to not have to give out, to be able to receive. And there is an aspect that's sometimes been overlooked uh, where ministers give out uh, uh, week after week after week, and it's good for them to be able to draw aside and to be able to receive. Like Vanessa and I had just been to the uh, international convention in the States. Um, it was running for four days then. We had like world-class ministry. It was just excellent and just good to be able to get in there. 
uh, and, and received from the ministry there, and God spoke to us, and in fact, God spoke to us. Uh, I remember arriving on the first night, you know, when jet lag can throw you out a little bit, and I'm lying in bed and can't sleep, and God's just speaking to me about things relating to us back here and things that God's doing, and, it, and it's just wonderful. Uh, you know, so we should never get bored when we're awake at night time because God wants to use that time to, to speak to us. And, uh, and anyway, praise God. It's all very exciting. Hallelujah. Well, tonight there will be not an outline for you, so you will have to use your Bibles tonight. All right? This is just a bit of a test to make sure that uh, you haven't left, left your Bible at home. Because um, I want you to be turning with me to the book of uh, Lamentations. All right, Lamentations. So if you don't know how to find Lamentations, you go to the index and look for the, for the letter L. Go down. Oh, here it is. All right, Lamentations. Um, tonight I would like to, um, I guess to some extent, continue on where we started a couple of weeks ago. Um, two weeks ago in the evening service, I ministered a message entitled Operating Above the Level of... Uh, I start again, Operating Above the Economy of the World. And uh, I give some, some pointers, if you like, some truths uh, uh, concerning the fact that we are not tied to the economy of the world in terms of our level of prosperity. Uh, the Bible tells us that God is able to provide our needs according to His riches and glory, not according to the riches that are uh, in the world today or according to the world's economy. Having said that, every one of us are required to work. We've got jobs, uh, businesses, and we do deal in the world's economy, but you and I should be able to go beyond and we should be able to go higher than what people in the world are going because we have the blessing of God in our lives. We have the wisdom of God. We have the leading of the Spirit in terms of... Uh, you know, money tends, tends to move around. Uh, money's not always in the same uh, place, necessarily. And we need to know where the money flows. And we ought not to be embarrassed about uh, making moves to, 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 to as it were, to, to be able to, to enjoy greater levels of prosperity. Um, I know that the church for years and years and years has preached poverty, and I think it's enough. We've heard enough poverty. We need to hear prosperity. We need to learn principles of prosperity. Uh, as, as a minister, as a pastor, I feel a strong responsibility to inspire people into greater levels of prosperity rather than to make do all the time and rather than to, to just, uh, you know, get by, as it were. God is not the God of get by. God is the God of abundance. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ has come that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. And that's life all around, not just in one specific area. God is a, God is a holistic sort of a God. God doesn't just want us, wants to place us spiritually. He wants to place us in every area of our lives, spiritually, in, in, in our soul, in our mind, in our body. God wants to bless us financially, uh, uh, economically, socially, uh, maritally. You, you name it, God wants to bless every area of our lives. Uh, and God is not the God that withholds. If we're not enjoying the blessing of God, we're not doing something right. It's why God's given us His Word, to give us wisdom so we can order our lives and position our lives in such a way that we can be blessed and enjoy levels of prosperity. So tonight I would like to just give some practical wisdom uh, following on from what we've talked about last time. Uh, and I trust that uh, you're able to get something out of that tonight. Once again, you know, the Word of God uh, uh, is applicable to every single one of us. But certain aspects of it, depending on where we're at uh, in our lives, might be more applicable 
uh, than, 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 than other things. Uh, we might have certain things under wraps already, but in other areas we have yet to, uh, yet to sort of uh, make the adjustment and make the alignment uh, in order to align ourselves with God's purpose for our lives. So in the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, and uh, <clears throat> in verse 27... I'd like to just read that verse of Scripture uh, and then pray and trust God that God's going to speak to us again tonight. Um, Lamentations 3.23, uh, 27, I should say, says that it is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Father, we want to thank you again tonight, Lord, for your word. We thank you for the illumination that comes uh, at the reading and at the proclamation of your word. You also said that the entrance of your word gives light and understanding. And we thank you, Lord God, that, Lord, tonight uh, we receive revelation knowledge. We will learn in regards to areas that we need to adjust in our life to move into greater levels of prosperity, to demonstrate and to manifest greater provision in our lives. We thank you, Lord God, that you You've released all provision already. And Lord, we're entering into greater levels of it tonight. And we thank you, Father God, that you also said that we are to be blessed, uh, not for the sake of being blessed, but to be a blessing to others. So tonight we'll lay a hold of all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It is good for a man to bear, bear the yoke in his youth. The uh, Bible speaks about young people here, youth. Um, and uh, I should also... It, the outset point out that this is not just speaking about a man, but this is also speaking about women, people in general. When they're young, it says it is good for a, a person to bear the yoke in his youth. Now, interesting, uh, when we uh, look at people's, um, people's uh, work uh, situation and look at young people and uh, people that are just starting out in the job market, uh, if you compare the income of a person that's just starting out uh, in a work situation, they typically don't earn as much as somebody that's been working in a particular area, say, for 20, 25, 30 years. All right? And so in terms of uh, the job market, you know, the size of people's pay packet uh, is usually determined by three or four things. Uh, the first thing that uh, people's pay packet is determined by is the level of their education and their skill that is required to fulfill their, their particular uh, job or their particular responsibility. So in other words, skilled labor is always paid better than unskilled labor. All right, everybody understands that, everybody knows that. Uh, that's why it's a good idea to get a decent education, to get a decent skill. Uh, all right. Then the second thing that uh, it will, uh, the pay level would also be determined by is the level of experience that people have. So, for example, you might get a junior doctor. He's a doctor uh, or she's a doctor. They've studied medicine, um, but they're just starting out, and their level of experience is not there to the same extent that somebody that's worked in, in, in the in, in the health uh, uh, field as a doctor for, say, 20, 25 years. So clearly, a junior doctor will not be paid as well as a senior doctor. Obviously, the experience is just not there. All right, Though that person has uh, been diligent in studying and, and, and educated themselves and has acquired some skills, but these skills have to be honed. There's got to be more experience, and along with experience, their pay goes up. Now, can I just say it again? To some extent, we are talking about money tonight. Is that all right with you? Nobody will get nervous on me if we talk about money and income. Um, and we're talking about how to drive the income up. Uh, it's not just, uh, you know, stay on the same income. Uh, we, we need to go up. Uh, God wants us to go up. God doesn't want us to go down. God's not trying to take something away from us. He's trying to get something to us. 
All right. And so the, the third thing that uh, uh, people's pay uh, package or the size of people's pay package is, uh, is uh, determined by is the level of their reliability and the diligence that they carry out their duty. So, for example, a diligent worker will typically uh, be better paid uh, and have more work and be able to charge more than a sloppy worker. Um, and by the way, there are plenty of sloppy workers around. And Christians should not be amongst them. We ought not to be sloppy people in any way. Um, and as I say, uh, uh, you know, the book of Proverbs is filled with, uh, with uh, passages that speak about diligence, that speak about uh, just doing, you know, doing a good job and, and everything else. And then finally, the last thing that people's, uh, uh, the size of people pa people's pay packet is, is determined by is by the level of the responsibility that they carry. So can I just suggest that if you have a uh, corporation, a company, um, and there's no shame in working in any area in the company, all right? But clearly, the CEO of the company carries a greater responsibility than the person working on the factory floor, all right? Uh, it obviously, uh, I mean, that's very clear. So therefore, um, it makes sense that the person carrying the greater load of responsibility gets, gets paid better. Uh, and so that's what you get. Uh, and there's also another thing that should be thrown in here, that in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, people's income, um, if there are, say, if there's one particular job, one particular role, one particular position that is to be filled, if there are uh, 3,000 people lining up because they all can do the job, in this particular job, and there's another job over here, and only 20 people can do that job, you will probably find that this job over here, this role, will be better remunerated than this one over here. Because again, it's, it's depending on if you can get just anybody to fill that role, well, the income will be low. And so the idea is that you, you and I need to educate ourselves. We need to upskill ourselves. We need to... Um, we need to um, make ourselves uh, ready so that we've got a skill, a, a knowledge, uh, um, an ability that can be marketed. All right, everybody's got a pair of hands and can, uh, you know, just do some stuff, you know, um, uh, but in order to, to, to enter into higher levels of income, we need to develop a skill, we need to develop a, a, an ability. Uh, and of course, the other thing is, as I've said earlier, in regards to people's um, uh, responsibility that they carry, uh, very clearly, uh, a brain surgeon uh, carrying out his work, his responsibility is high because one, one mistake, one slip of that, uh, of that knife and, and, and he's killed somebody, all right? Uh, whereas on the other hand, if somebody, say, for argument's sake, makes bricks, you know, if he breaks one, no big deal, we'll just make another one. But you be kind of a brain surgeon that kills somebody, oh, next, kills that person next, all right? So you can see that there's a, an issue here in, in regards to people's income and in regards to us preparing ourselves to enter into higher levels of, of uh, income. Now, uh, Lamentations and the passage that we've just read here said that it is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. The yoke, and I said all of that to say this, that the yoke here speaks about people's uh, uh, discipline and speaks about people's uh, ability to carry responsibility. Um, 
Now, there are irresponsible people at all levels of, of, of age brackets. You get, get young people that are irresponsible, and you get older people that are irresponsible. But in an ideal world, as the believers, we ought to be the most responsible people around. People should be able to trust us uh, in a role and in a particular setting, uh, and we should be responsible to carry out the task, which means that if we are reliable, dependable, and are responsible people, then when and really the pinch comes on anywhere in terms of uh, the job market and uh, of course things are a little bit more challenging now than what they were 18 months ago in terms of work and so forth that those who are more diligent than others will typically remain employed or otherwise will be able to get work whereas others might not so this is all just uh, I guess general wisdom all right let me read to you that same passage from the New Living Translation First one we've read out of New King James, and I like to look at different translations. It brings out different facets of the same truth. It says here, it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. In other words, as a young person, you don't want to wait until you get to 30, 40, when you're perhaps no longer as young as what you were when you were 18, 20, 22, 25, or whatever, before you start to submit to the yoke of discipline, or before you start to submit to the yoke of responsibility. And in fact, let me read the same passage out of the message translation. It says, it is a good thing when you're young to stick it out through hard times. Now, hard times there is not necessarily speaking about hard times as in hard times, like people say, oh, times are hard right now, you know, like the economy is not so good as what it was. It's not necessarily talking about that. It means that in certain settings and in certain environments, we're facing more challenges than in other settings. Friends, can I just suggest we ought not to run away from challenges. We ought not to run away from such uh, situations, all right? Because we should use hard times and challenges to develop qualities like discipline and responsibility. It's an interesting situation, but when I started my apprenticeship in the catering business um, some, I don't know, however many years ago now, it's a while ago now, and, uh, and that's not the easiest of industries to work in. In fact, I was just talking to somebody the other day and talking about uh, some of the people that you work with there, that uh, many of them have got an anger problem or they've got an alcohol problem or they've got both. Then it's hot, it's sticky, it's horrible, it's not, it's not even clean work, it's just, it's just, it can be quite sort of messy work and everything else. And I saw people just come in and say, oh, it's just too hard and leave again and everything. And you know, there's an aspect uh, to this here that uh, we ought to just be able to stick things out. We ought to be able to just develop stickability that we don't run away. We're not tied down into this particular role, into this, into this job for the rest of our lives, but we can certainly use that situation to develop some, some, some qualities like stickability and reliability. And I'm not, not, gonna, not, not just going to walk away. I'm not just going to walk off the job. Um, uh, and, and not just walk out, as it were. You know, when people, people, everybody has got a, a, a certain threshold somewhere where things get too much, they just shoot through. Um, and, and, but, but you and I as believers, that threshold ought to be like very high. It's not like a couple of things and, oh, it's just suddenly all too much. I, I'm out of here. No, no, we just stick with it. And interesting too, I was talking to somebody a while back in regards to ministry and, um, and usually what I say when people say, look, I really want to go into ministry, you know, I'm aspiring to be a preacher or to be this or that, and I say, that's a great vision to have. But can I suggest that uh, people, if they don't make it in the world, 
They won't make it in ministry either, because ministry is hard work. And there are typically as many, if not more, challenges in the ministry than what you would find in some job somewhere or running some business somewhere. So anybody that aspires to go into ministry and do well, uh, just uh, find a job somewhere and do it with all your might and stick with it, because stickability is a quality that will keep you in good state in any environment. All right? If people don't develop stickability, the devil drives people around from job to job, from situation to situation, and everything. And that's that's not just uh, um, stickability in hard times. Sometimes it's relationships. Some people just can't get on with people. And, and just, uh, just in one situation, in, in every situation that they go into, they clash with somebody, like uh, have a fight with the boss, and then it's the fight with the supervisor, and a fight with a co-worker. And just people are always moving because they've never developed the skill of just staying put and uh, submitting to that yoke in that particular environment, uh, learning to get on with everybody, and developing qualities that will keep them in good state in the next situation where there's a bigger responsibility. And you know, with bigger responsibilities come bigger challenges and bigger challenges. You know, they say ministry too. People say, oh, I'd love to have a worldwide ministry. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Uh, you know, Joyce Meyer says that, uh, she says in terms of, uh, you know, bigger, what was the saying? Bigger, bigger levels, uh, it's bigger devils. Uh, yeah, there's, you know, more influence, more, more devils that you're facing, that you're fighting. And, uh, and, you know, sometimes people don't necessarily fight devils in their work environment. They're just fighting the flesh. They just uh, can't keep it cool. They just, everything ticks them off. They either start get very angry or they start to get sour and, and they start to get start to criticize everything, criticize the boss, criticize the company, criticize uh, the pay that they're on, and criticize everything and blame everybody for their problems rather than saying, Lord, is there something that I'm missing here? Is there something that I'm, I'm not doing yet that I ought to be doing in order to do better in life? All right, so you know the old saying, when somebody points a finger at somebody, there's always at least two or three fingers pointing back. All right, so Lord, what do I need to do in order to move up in the world? And Frank, can I suggest that it's a good desire to want to move up in the world, uh, to, to do better for yourself, to, you know, to, to get something behind you in terms of having you know, a nice home and having, having things and having stuff to enjoy and to be able to share with other people. That is a good thing. All right, uh, Proverbs chapter 24, just uh, uh, move along there. And as I said, this is, I guess, just the general principles of... Uh, of uh, doing well in life and uh, general principles of prosperity. Um, and um, in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 27, it says, Prepare your outside work and make it fit for yourself in the field and afterward build your house. Um, let me read this again. It says, Prepare your outside work and make it fit for yourself in the field and afterwards build your house. Now, most people here would not have a field, don't have paddocks, don't have livestock. Quite a few people have a front yard and a backyard, but that's typically just for mowing rather than for, for uh, grazing cattle and so forth. Now, this passage here was spoken to, to, to into an environment where people typically, their, their work was working the fields, um, growing things, um, 
uh, having cattle and, and sheep and whatever else. And, uh, you know, sheep uh, gives you meat. Uh, the Bible also speaks in Proverbs chapter 27. It says that the, the skin and the wool will keep you warm and everything. And so the Bible gives us some wisdom here in regards to how God wants us to handle things. It says, prepare your outside work and make it fit for yourself in the field. And we could insert the word first. Do that first. And then afterwards build your house. Now, outside work relates to sowing and preparing for a harvest, which in our situation could be an education to get a decent job. It could be to prepare a skill or to concentrate on work and to concentrate on an income to get an income going. And then he says, then build your house. All right. Now, as I said, the outside work relates to the income, relates to the harvest. And you know, once again, uh, farmers always think in seasons. Most people like we, we think, oh, it's just you know, not nice weather right now. We don't think about growing things and harvesting things. But the farmer always thinks in seasons. And then he says, when the season starts, he says, don't start building your house and take six months to build your house because then you know, the season has been and gone and you haven't got a harvest coming. And you're going through winter and you're not eating because you haven't prepared you know, to sow a seed and you haven't looked after that seed and you haven't got anything growing. And then so you've got a house all right, but you haven't got anything to eat now. And you know, the house relates to the comfort, um, but the outside work relates to, to, the, to the ability to earn an income and the ability to, 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 to reap a harvest and to be able to eat. And so it tells us here that we are to prepare the outside work first. God says, concentrate on your work and on your earning capability, uh, which means, you know, you get an education and aim for something and, and, and get a, 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 I don't know, an ability, uh, an apprenticeship or, or some, some training so that you're able to market yourself and you've got an income going. And when that income flows, then turn around and build your house. All right. Trouble is, many, many people go for comfort first. Um, and, uh, and whilst the house is important, it's good to, to it's necessary to have a, a roof over our, over our head and to have a warm environment where we can, you know, eat and sleep and rest and everything. But he says, concentrate on the field first. And for you and I, in the year 2009, it means let's concentrate on the job and concentrate on the business and sacrifice in order to get that thing humming and up and running and everything. And when that is happening, then let's, you know, let's spend some of the proceeds and the money towards building a house. Uh, and interesting, too, that in terms, of, uh, in terms of this lesson here, it is a priority lesson. All right? Uh, we should give our work a higher level of priority than we give our comfort. And, um, you know, Peter Daniels, some of you may have heard Peter Daniels. He's from Australia. Uh, he's a multimillionaire. He's made lots and lots of money. Um, and uh, he now speaks in churches and in seminars and in conferences and speaks about, about principles of, of prosperity and so forth. And he says one of the biggest issues with people that prevents them from entering into greater levels of prosperity, he says, is the unwillingness to endure pain. Uh, people want to be comfortable. People want to be secure um, and not prepared to take risks, not prepared to step out and say, right, we're going to make this thing work. And I'll tell you what, necessity um, 
What's that saying where they say necessity is uh, the mother of invention? Uh, you mean suddenly it's necessary to come up with something because you've committed yourself to something. It's amazing how inventive you can become and how motivated you are. And suddenly you work a, you work a, a job and you work a part-time job and more if you need to just in order to pull this thing off and to get it happening. Um, and you know sometimes people, sometimes people uh, look at, at, at people like myself and like my generation um, and most people of my generation have a house and some of us has got a very nice house and people stand back and say, well, I, I wouldn't mind having something like this. And, they, and people think everything was handed to us on a platter. Uh, people think that everything just came easy. Uh, friends, can I say that there will be people that will be able to stand up right now and tell stories of how hard it really was to get there in terms of uh, sacrificing and, and denying ourselves and, and not, not, not uh, allowing ourselves to just kick back and be comfortable and, and just rest and, and take time off and everything. We just had to keep going and make this thing work. Uh, and in the early days, typically that's what most people have to do. Things ease up a little bit later on, but in the early days to make it happen, you just got to just get right in there and make it happen. All right. And uh, you know, there is something about uh, price guard for all the young people um, today. And you know, we, we, we are a church of young people. We're all young actually, but we've got young people here and we love our young people and we're inspired by their dedication and everything. But you know, when the Bible speaks here about, uh, let me just back up again here. Uh, <clears throat> It says in Lamentations 3 verse 27 in the message translation, it is good when you're young to stick it out through the hard times. Can I suggest that compared to previous generations, today's young generation doesn't know what hard times looks like? <laughs> it just doesn't know what it looks like. Um, and, and, and when I grew up, and at my level, when I was in my teenage years and everything, I had no idea what my father and my mother had to put up with in terms of their generation. Collectively, we are becoming more prosperous as a society as we go. And, and sometimes when we're at a certain age, we think we're hard done, but oh, I'm so hard done, but I can't afford a new car, you know, can't afford this and can't afford that. But, but you know what, the, um, my father, <laughs> my father went to see my mother when he was courting her uh, and he drove for 35 kilometers on a um, push bike on shingle road to be able to see her. Uh, <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh goodness, you know, this is way out there. But, you know, a lot of young people t today don't know what hard times looks like. Um, and uh, there is just a, an aspect that is a little bit concerning where when people think everything is laid on and everything is just presented on a platter to them is not necessarily a healthy thing. Uh, I think everybody has to learn to somehow, you know, to just, you know, earn a living and to be diligent and to praise God for when parents or grandparents are able to help us to, you know, to buy a house and, and all these other things is all wonderful. But if everything is always laid on and everything always comes easy, the danger is that people take it easy. You know, easy come, easy go. And uh, there is an aspect here where though God wants every generation to have it easier than the previous generation, but you know, there's a cycle. It goes around and around. They are the pioneer generation who are the builders, you know, the people who have broken in this country. Uh, <clears throat> 
who have laid roads and you know you never used to be able to drive from Wellington to Auckland on a road there was no road you had to you could travel part of the way over hills and over mountains and shingle roads and then you had to get on a boat to get up to Auckland and then people came along and they built roads and everything else and and now we got young people burning the flag uh, which is just an absolute act of dishonor towards the older people who have fought under that flag and many of them who have given their lives so that we could live in a free society. All right, so there's an aspect here, friends, where let's, let's just understand what, what's happening here. Burning the flag is one of the most despicable things that, in my view, a person can do to their country, to their parents, to their forefathers and everything. And, you know, sometimes young people don't understand, but to burn a flag and then they get caught out and then to be defiant afterwards, I think that's very still. All right. So anyway, make my point. Praise God. <laughs> make my point. Hallelujah. So uh, it's a lesson about priority. We should give our work a higher level of priority than we do our comfort level. Uh, Proverbs chapter 24. Uh, same passage again in the Good News translation. It says, don't build your house and establish your home until your fields are ready and you are sure that you can earn a living. Um, so in other words, concentrate on, on getting a, a decent job and, and developing a skill and an, an ability that is marketable where you can go and knock on a door and say, look, I'm looking for a job and I'm able to do this and this and this. And uh, I would quite like to have this level of income. I feel that this is what I'm worth to be able to, you know, to sell my skill uh, for 40 hours a week or whatever. Um, and so do that before you start to build a house. But friend, can I then suggest, it says first prepare the field, second build the house. And then sometimes what people do is they prepare the field, they get the income going, and when the income starts coming in, they don't spend the money on the house, they spend the money on pleasurable things, um, as in fun things, as in entertainment things, uh, gadgets, uh, things that just really entertain and and make us feel good, but don't actually provide us with a house later on in, in life. So build your house when the income starts to get going. And you know, it's been said that the house, a person's house, is probably going to be their biggest purchase that they will ever make uh, in their whole life. And people have to prepare for that by way of, of developing a, an earning capability and the diligence to stick with a job rather than changing, swapping and changing every five minutes because they can't stick anything out. And then developing that habit and then, and then developing budgeting skills and saving and be able to say, okay, uh, we have to put ourselves under, under pressure for a while, but we can do this. And, and then, you know, be able to get into a house where, where you know, you can pay off your own house uh, rather than paying off the landlord's house uh, for, for, for years and years and years. So when income starts to get going as a young person, don't spend it on just... Uh, you know, things uh, that don't really help you to go further in life. You know, a while back I remember reading an article and I was annoyed that I didn't keep it, but uh, it was a good one. That somebody had sort of studied today's young generation. They talked about the big four, the big four, and I can't remember all of them, but entertainment was right up there. Are you helping me preach, eh? Okay, <laughs> the big four. Entertainment, like fun uh, things, and, and have fun. You know, when you're young, have fun. 
and, and you stop, don't stop having fun when you get a bit older. You know, like I'm, I'm not old, but I'm a bit older than what some of our young people are. I'm still having fun today. Have fun and enjoy yourself and, and, and have nice things, but uh, don't have all of that and blow your money and then not be able to get into a house. Uh, uh, because a house is probably more important uh, to be able to aim for that than what most people realize today. Um, and uh, yeah, so build your house. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11. And now mo moving along quickly now, and then we'll wind down. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11, it says, He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who pursues worthless things lacks sense. Um, Again, it's using that same language there of preparing the field, tilling the land, and then there will be plenty of bread. And when the bread comes in, you know, when the grain comes in, when the, when the cattle grow up and everything, you know, some you eat and some you sell. And the ones you sell uh, gives you funds and money to do things with. Don't spend that money on frivolous things or worthless things. Uh, that word, worthless things there, speaks about non-productive things. Um, now, I'm not going to talk about iPods tonight. In fact, how many of you enjoyed that Mother's Day thing when this, this mother sang that song and she says, you, your iPod is my iPod? I will never forget that. I just enjoyed that thing so much. But I'm not talking about iPod. If you have an iPod, enjoy it and have a good time with it and other gadgets and everything else. But don't pursue worthless things uh, ongoing and allow uh, the enemy to rob you of... of, of um, of funds that are coming in that should be going towards something productive, that should be going towards something that possibly further education or possibly upskilling so you can earn more money to be able to be in a better position financially afterwards. Um, and so, yeah, don't pursue worthless things. Uh, the same passage here in the Good News translation, it says, A hardworking farmer has plenty to eat, but it is stupid to waste time on useless projects. Um, so in other words, it's just not a good idea to just spend um, a, a lot of time on worthless projects. That uh, Useless projects are things that don't produce anything. They, they don't give us another skill that is marketable. They don't really help us to move, move up in, in the world. That It's just time-wasting. I've got a quote here by this chap by the name of Bernard uh, Berenson. And he said this, and this is a really wise saying. Listen to this. He says, If only I could stand on a street corner with my head in my hand and get people to throw their wasted time in it. Let me read it again. This is just quite profound. He says, If only I could stand on the street corner with my head in my hand and get people to throw their wasted time in it. Sometimes people waste so much money on worthless projects, on just... And, you know, entertainment is, is part of, uh, part of one's, one's life. You know, there, there should be a slice of our life on entertainment, on nice things, and kicking back, having a good time, resting, recreation, sports, whatever we choose to do. But if that, that slice of our lives takes up a bigger chunk than what it should, it means there's not enough time then to press on in life and to get ahead. And, uh, and there is a fallacy of people who entertain themselves all the time. They look at others, say, I want what they've got, but they will never be able to get it because they're not prepared to sacrifice as others have sacrificed to get what they got. All right? So, wasted time. Like some of us, uh, it's like time. 
you know, people think, oh, money is very precious, or, or, uh, or this is very precious, or that's very precious. Do you know that time is one of the most com- uh, precious commodities that we've got? And like this hour that we're spending right now will never be given to us again. It'll be gone through, for throughout eternity. Now, this is time well spent to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday, I would think. Certainly better than sitting at home watching the telly. All right, but, but in terms of well, the time that people waste sometimes, uh, it's just phenomenal. You know, just doing stupid things, reading stupid novels, and just watching stupid programs, and just doing just worthless things. Um, and the interesting thing is that, uh, that it says here, it says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4, and i am just, just got two, two more passages of Scripture here after that uh, that I'll share with you, and then I'll wind down. But it says in Proverbs 10, verse 4, it says, Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. All right, so there is a particular thing, there's a, there's a method to get wealthy, and it's not wrong to get wealthy. All right, and it is not wrong to want to have more money than what you have presently to be able to do more. All right, uh, and diligence is part of that journey. Uh, whereas it tells us here that lazy hands will make a man poor. It's been said that uh, if we find 30 minutes a day, every day for a year, and use that more productively and effectively than what we're doing right now. It's been said that by the end of the year, we have created three extra weeks of productive time. 30 minutes a day. Phenomenal. It's been said that people who spend 30 minutes to an hour a day, five days a week, can do amazing things. Can get uh, uh, um, you know, tertiary education by doing uh, extra studies. Can learn a language. Can f- uh, develop a skill that they previously didn't have. It's amazing what can be done, but time is that precious commodity. All right, so let's not waste time. Um, In Proverbs chapter 13, uh, verse 4 says, Lazy people want much but get little, but those who work hard will prosper. Um, It's an interesting thing, but, uh, you know, every group and in every family there's a culture. in every environment, there's a particular culture. In every church, there's a particular culture. Um, and for example, like we, in our church and like our senior leadership team, and for the most part, the leadership team, just typically hardworking people, wherever you look. It's part of the culture of our church. And what's interesting is that... Um, I need to be careful what I say here because I don't, I don't mean to offend anybody or to upset anybody but you get churches that are filled with unemployed people and filled with people who have hardly worked a day in their life and day after day, week after week, nothing ever changes. And, uh, you know, we've held consistently from the work goal when we started church, we've said that uh, the Bible says if a man will not work, neither should he eat. And you know what that does? It either, it, it either offends people and they, they, they fire off and go somewhere else where perhaps... Uh, uh, n- nobody requires anything from them or people get motivated and God wants every one of us to be working this is not about being employed now alright sometimes people might, might struggle to find employment but just because somebody is unemployed doesn't mean that they shouldn't work alright there's so much work to be done <laughs> it's like voluntary work and, uh, so much stuff that 
needs to be done and should be done and everything else. So, so in terms of working, uh, developing a good work ethic uh, and being diligent and putting in a good day's work, no matter what happens, it's just a good thing. And sometimes people have to do work uh, in, a, in a voluntary capacity for a while before a, a job situation opens up. And more often than not, when people sold time and sold their energy and their efforts into a particular environment to, to, to work for no pay, God uses that as a seed and gives them a harvest of something wonderful and something marvelous that sometimes people don't appreciate and people don't realize. So uh, everybody's working. That's what God wants in the kingdom of God. Yeah, there are no, there are no, no, um, no idle hands in the kingdom of God. Like there's a job for everybody, praise God. And then, of course, you know, you get people that work uh, all the time, uh, don't know how to rest, uh, don't know how to take Sundays off and the day of the Lord and, and, and everything else. And so, of course, you get the extremes in all directions. Last scripture that I want to read for you is in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5, and then we'll pray. And... Uh, and do other things. Uh, Proverbs 21, verse 5, it says, The plans of hardworking people earn a profit, but those who act quickly, or those who act too quickly, become poor. Um, hardworking people. Um, part of the sense in here is that when people stick with something, and we've talked about stickability e earlier on, to, to just do something and to see it through and to see it out rather than swap and change and swap and change. And one thing that I've observed over the years is when people change every five minutes. So they change jobs and then they move and then, and then something else happens and then they change and then the telephone number changes and the address changes and everything changes all the time. These are people who typically never get ahead in life because there's something about staying put Something about putting down roots and developing stickability and an ability to start something and to finish something. Everybody say finish something. And it's easy to start things. It's <laughs> starting things, there's an excitement about something new and something fresh. There's no history with it. Like, this is exciting. And people sometimes start things, and three weeks later they get bored with it, and then suddenly it's that aspect of it requires diligence from them and, 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 and a quality of stickability which they have not yet developed, and, oh, this is boring, oh, this is not working out for me, I'll try something else. People swap and change every five minutes, every five weeks, typically never get ahead in life. And sometimes it looks like somebody is staying put at something for a year, two, three years, and it looks like they're not going anywhere. But the very fact that they're faithful in a particular environment, that they've developed a stickability, sees them in good state, and God sees that and says, hey, here, you know the Bible says that a faithful man will abound with blessings. And sometimes we are put into environments for no other reason to not necessarily further ourselves. And, and, and you know, people say, oh, I'll stay here if I get this and this and this and somebody offers me something else. But sometimes, sometimes God just wants us to stay put and to prove that we can stick something out, that we don't get bored with something, uh, that we don't get sort of fed up with it and have fallouts with people and feel the need to start somewhere else because, after all, I can't work with so-and-so. Too difficult. They're just too difficult, you know. It, it, it's not a good in situation. You just stick with something and see it out. And God says, you make plans, and then your plans will prosper. Uh, the Bible says, he that believes shall not make haste. There's no need to swap and change and try 15,000 different things. Certainly, 
We're not required to stick with the first job that we, we, we had when we started out at, I don't know, 16, 18, or 20 years old. We can change, but let's not change every five minutes. Praise God. Let's just bow our heads and, uh, and uh, just as it were, submit to the word of the Lord for our uh, lives here tonight. Father, we thank you once again, Lord God, for teaching us principles and uh, giving us understanding, Lord, that will put us ahead in life, that will put us ahead of uh, people in the world, that put us ahead of, uh, of, uh, of Lord, people that, uh, that we work with in, 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 in different situations, that put our businesses ahead of those of the competitors. And Father, I thank you once again that you said that you will bless the work of our hands. And so, Lord, uh, we just commit our ways to you again. And we thank you, Father, for, for teaching us. Let this truth and these truths here tonight become revelation to each and every one of us and continue to lead us and guide us. We thank you, Lord God, that you lead us into green pastures. Lord, you lead us into greater levels of prosperity. We declare tonight that we are blessed uh, abundantly. And Lord, you've blessed us to be a blessing to other people. So help us, Lord, show us whom we need to help and how we can apply our, our areas of blessing to other people, uh, Lord, to further the kingdom of God. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.